Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I won't let my body outweigh, outweigh everything that I'm made of. Won't spend my life trying to change. I'm learning to love who I am. I am strong, I feel free. I know every part of me is beautiful. And I will always outweigh. If you feel it, put your hands in the air. Show some love to the mirror while you're there. Let's take it one day at a time. Cause you and I outweigh. Welcome back to Outweigh. Today it's me and Amy, and we're joined by a special guest, my good friend Cameron Rogers, who is the content creator behind Freckled Foodie on Instagram. Go ahead and check her out for the good recipes and food, but so, so, so much more. And she's also a podcast host of Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast that I I've been a guest on. It's awesome. She gets amazing guests and is a great interviewer herself. So we're excited to have you on this side of the podcasting world, Cameron. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I actually love being on this side. I think it's so much more laid back. Like I just get to talk and I'm not in charge of like running the conversation or thinking of the questions. So I'm very excited to be here. And let's not minimize your Instagram and the value that is there from everything <laughs> from you. recipes to mental health. You are helping people in a multitude of ways. And it's not just your podcast where you show up and provide value. So, you know, you and I connected years ago over body image stuff. You, you were just starting. I had a few years in the in the social media space and you reached out to me and wrote this really warm email about how you felt seen from something that I had shared. And I think your story is really 
Interesting. So let's just kind of jump into, Cameron, your body image pre and everything that came before college and then everything that came after college. So how did you view your body before and then what happened after? Absolutely. And I vividly, like Lisa, I cannot even explain to you. I remember laying in my bed, writing that email to you. And it's so wild to me that you're now one of my good friends and I can text you when I need support on something like the universe is just crazy. So pre-college, all of that, I quite honestly never even questioned my body, never thought about it. It was just so never something that was top of mind for me. I am thin privileged. I'm thin bodied. I'm able bodied. And I have also been an athlete my entire life. So I was naturally just always in shape. I mean, I played sports seven days a week between all the teams I was on. And I come from a family of thin, fit women. My mom did struggle with a pretty bad eating disorder in her college years, early 20s. And that obviously took a long time for her personally to recover from. So there were remnants of that in my childhood, but that's more something I'm now aware of than I was at that time. And so honestly, I just never, I never really thought about my body to be totally frank. And I realized what a privilege that is. And it wasn't until after college that I really started to notice certain things. And I think that that was a mix of the way media was changing and the way I was consuming media, as well as my body was physically changing. I played lacrosse in college at a D1 level. So again, I was working out six to seven days a week, most days at least once, but some days twice a week. And so I was just physically in shape by showing up to practice. I never had to concern myself over whether I was exercising or what I was eating. And I also graduated in 2013 from college. And I know it doesn't seem like that long ago, but in these past eight years, so much has changed when it comes to social media. You know, obviously we didn't have TikTok, but like we barely had Instagram and we would take digital cameras out to parties, take all these photos and then just dump every photo into a Facebook album without even looking at them, let alone picking which ones looked best or editing them or adding filters. So there wasn't this sense of having to show up. And I also went to a small liberal arts school, Lafayette College, where like if you wore heels out, everyone's like, what are you doing, girlfriend? Like I would show up to parties in my lacrosse gear from practice and it was like not even second guessed or like looked at. So there was no society pressure to look a certain way, I personally felt. It wasn't until I graduated that I started working full-time in sales and trading and my life just did a full 180. I was not putting my physical health first whatsoever. I started to then notice physical changes and, you know, I struggled with a bunch of gut health issues that led me to then try elimination diets. And while the intention was positive and I was trying to get to the root of what was happening within my body, the impact became obsessive and controlling. And I joke that I'm a recovering type A perfectionist. And so it really was like this you know, this thing that I could latch onto and I did. And so I latched onto what I was eating and what I was doing to work out. And this was also when Instagram became a huge thing. And all I was seeing were like these fit women with six packs and they were all on whole 30. And I just thought that that's what I had to do. It's incredibly evolved since that moment. And I can dive more into that if you want, but you know, I definitely think my post-college year was when things started to shift for me. And I started to all of a sudden hear this critical voice that I had never heard before. And I unfortunately really let it take control. 
before college, during college, you're an athlete that's obviously working out all the time and training in that sense, but you've never thought about your body, anything other than it's my body, this is what I do with it, and then I take it to go get beers after in college, and I eat fries and whatever. <laughs> yep. Then you leave college, you move to New York City, you have a corporate job where you're on the sales and trading floor, which I understand is very intense. You're there at 6 a.m., and the lifestyle just is drastically different. You no longer are showing up to the to the gym. You're naturally exposed to a different lifestyle that changes your body as well as going through a different life phase. And suddenly you're like, okay, wait, what? What do I, how do I fit in exercise into my mm -hmm. life? So how did you begin to squeeze exercise back into your life after going seven days a week to zero? It's crazy for people who don't work in sales and trading to hear this, but I would get up at like 4.45 in the morning and I would go to the gym. I'd get there by 5.15 where the Equinox at Grand Central would open early for us and it would be just like a bunch of people who worked in the industry would like flood into this equinox, like get out a quick workout, shower and sprint to the desk. And I think that a large part of all of this is also tied into my anxiety and the need to feel like I was in control of something. And I really like tangible assets. And for me, the food and the numbers aspect of exercising, like when it came to how many miles was I going to run, that was such a tangible asset for me to compete with myself on because I am a naturally competitive person. And I think it's one of my gifts, but I also think that if I let it take control, it can get really ugly and it's a quick spiral when I'm competitive with myself. And that's what I turned to. And it wasn't healthy at all, but I was so deep in it that I, I thought I was doing the best thing I could do. I was doing all these things that I was being told to do by media. I was eating, quote unquote, healthy. I was eating the right, quote unquote, foods. I was exercising, but I completely let it take over my life and my mentality. And I so quickly forgot how much more important stuff there is in the world. What was your your wake up call that things had gotten too far? So there was a very clear wake up call, which I know uh, Lisa and I talked about on her Truthiest Life podcast, but I actually was hit by a car and I was crossing the street. I suffered from a pretty bad concussion. I then was on two months disability. And like right before this period, I had started to be like, this is kind of getting too much for me. I'm not enjoying my social life as much as I used to. I'm so wrapped up in my own head. I would be hysterically crying at night feeling so lonely and isolated, even though I was living in this wonderful city with all of my friends and family. And I had this incredible partner and this great job, but surface level, it looked amazing. And deep down I was struggling. And the accident for me, honestly, is like a before and after moment when I look at the way my life has shaped out over the past 29 years. And during the disability period, everything was put in perspective for me because not only did I have this new appreciation for life of like life is very short and no matter what you're doing, shit happens. And, you know, I was such a control freak, but like I was controlling as much as I physically could have. I wasn't on my phone. I was crossing at the crosswalk. I had the walk sign and still life has its own way of like, you know, tossing you upside down and seeing how you land. And so with the new appreciation for life, I also found this new appreciation for my body because I had been able-bodied my entire life. And it wasn't until this concussion recovery period that was way longer than two months, but two months was my formal disability from work 
that I had a newfound love for the fact that my body was able to wake up every day. I was able to go for a walk, like being injured and having such intense trauma and not being able to walk five blocks outside without feeling like you're going to pass out or, you know, exercise for two months, or even just look at your phone without an incomprehensible migraine. I had this new love for what my body was able to do every day. And I journaled my way heavily through the entire recovery process because for me, I really didn't want to lose that feeling. And I relate it to when you're sick and you have a cold and you're trying to go to sleep and you're like, oh my God, the things I would do to just be able to breathe out of my nose right now. And then every other day of your life, once you get over the cold, you're breathing normally, but going to bed, you're never like, thank God I can breathe again. Like you don't remember it until all of a sudden you have a cold again. And I really didn't want to slip back into that. If I don't run X amount of miles, this workout is a quote unquote waste. Like I had this newfound appreciation for just being able to step outside and go for a leisurely walk. And I thankfully think I've held on to that. And it really has shaped and changed the way I have lived my life since the accident, which is approaching three months or three years in a month. So just to kind of paint that picture, before the accident was a year, two years, maybe three years of waking up at four o'clock in the morning, getting to the gym, getting that, you know, many miles of biking or cardio in, you know, making your way to the desk by six o'clock and repeating that cycle every single day. All of a sudden, bam, car accident, and you can't use your body in that same way that you used to. And I know that Mm -hmm. injuries certainly play an impact on a lot of people who use exercise for either their mental health or because they are, you know, addicted to that feeling of controlling their body in some way. An injury will put a quick stop on that and have you evaluate it. But I think very few people take that time to really reflect. And it probably was helpful that you couldn't look at your phone because you had a concussion. Right. I think sometimes we consume more media when we're stuck in bed for whatever reason. But having that break to not consume the media, which is something that, you know, you mentioned was kind of becoming more popular around that time or normalized, I should say, allowed you to take a step back, but still to bring out a journal and reflect. Is is journaling something you had experience with? Because I'm thinking maybe this could be a tool that all of us could begin to work through, you know, every single day. How can journaling be a part of our body image understanding, uh, making peace with it, all of that. So no, journaling was not. And this is honestly why this moment was such a before and after moment for me, because it really shaped me physically, but so much emotionally. I began meditating shortly after the accident and have heavily relied on my meditation practice for my own mental health. Also, when I started journaling, and I think in a weird way, there was such a blessing of having the concussion during that period, not like a broken leg, because like you mentioned, I couldn't be on my phone. I couldn't be watching TV. I couldn't even read. So all I could do was meditate, talk to people on the phone, on speaker and journal. And I just really leaned into that. And I didn't realize how helpful it was to write out all of my emotions and thoughts. And since then, I journal every morning, not for nearly as long of a time that I was during that period. But for me, it's just so helpful to release these thoughts. I think when sometimes we have 
thoughts in our mind, it can be like a prison for these things. And if we're not speaking them, they can just grow louder and louder. And my inner voice has always been pretty critical. So it's helpful for me to kind of release those thoughts and let them go. And I felt the same way when it came to body image during this period, because for so long I had critiqued my body instead of showed it gratitude because we all should be grateful for our bodies. We all should be grateful that we wake up every morning. And I think there's such a focus on critiquing and wanting more or wanting less instead of just saying, thank you. Like, thank you for functioning. Thank you for working. And along with my journaling, I started a gratitude practice and, you know, that looks different every single day. I'm writing down different things I'm grateful for. It could be so generic. Like I'm grateful that the sun is shining. I'm grateful that I had a good night's sleep or like that dinner last night was amazing. But the same practice has been applied to the way I look at and treat my body. And when I find that critical voice starting to speak up, because it's not always a hundred percent rainbows and daisies in my brain. It's not like everything changed, but the second I hear that critical voice speak up, I shift the narrative and begin to positively affirm the part of the body that I'm critiquing. And in the beginning, this looked like me standing in front of a mirror and quite literally saying these things out loud. And sometimes it still does look like that. Um, but other times it just looks like me in my mind being like, no, we don't do that anymore. Like shift the thought. What are we grateful for? What are we thanking that part of our body for doing now? So I want to talk about the critical inner voice because we have that. I'm sure yeah. most everybody listening can relate, but we also have the voices of others. And I know that you've shared experiences of uh, when you were in the thick of running, however many miles you were running a day and things started to shrink and people started to make comments about your body. And then of course, that's positive reinforcement. And we're big here on helping train people and almost helping people unlearn, like complimenting people's bodies, because it's not that people mean any harm, you know, until they know better. Right. But it's so dangerous for us, like pe people that are, have gone through any type of uh, body image issues, exercise addiction, food issues, like for someone to compliment us, that just reinforces you running more miles that day. Oh, it's like throwing gasoline on a fire. For me, I have always been thin, but I definitely hit a point where now I look back and I feel like I looked frightening. But in the moment I was like, I look amazing. And like, I was having to get my clothes tailored. And I know that's when I really started to notice, like, I don't love this because I don't like the hit of serotonin this is giving me. And like, I knew better, like in my mind, I'm like, I know I shouldn't find this much joy in this but I was still going to ride the joy instead of listen to that voice. The people, the comments constantly of like, oh my God, you look amazing. What are you doing? Like someone once even said to me, my grandfather died during this period. And someone was like, grief looks good on you. And I'm like, mm, I, I don't know how I feel about that. But again, it's, we take these compliments and we're like, well, what did I look like before? And oh my gosh, well, I have to keep this up. I want, I don't want to lose all these compliments. And what will people say about me if I change now? And it's why I'm so passionate now about really trying to not compliment people on physical features and more on their glow or their aura or their brain or like things that 
actually matter. And like I say this constantly on my show, like your weight, your gene size, your exercise routine is the least interesting thing about you. Like I do not care. I don't want to sit with a group of girlfriends and talk about what diets we're on and whether we've lost weight. Like that conversation is useless to me. And with especially in a year like we just experienced in 2020, there's so much important stuff to talk about that like that should honestly be the last thing on our agenda. But unfortunately, society and media have trained us, especially with females, it should be the first thing we compliment. And if you don't compliment someone on how they look, then you're quote unquote mean. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there. I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics, 
in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Well, Cameron, I just want to say to you that that joy train you were riding, (laughs) I've been there, even with the grief thing. And I know it feels so weird because, yeah, you do know. And I think that's great self-awareness, by the way, because some people may not realize they're even doing it. But, you know, like part of you shouldn't feel that great about being skinnier or, you know, putting on smaller jeans or this or that. But I mean, for me, the grief, my mom died. And part of what I was telling myself because of, you know, what society puts out there, I was like, oh, there were a lot of factors here. But part part of it was I need to be skinny so that people know I am grieving. Mm -hmm. I felt as though that was a sign that I was struggling. And when people would compliment how thin I got because I got extremely thin. I almost was like, okay, yes, it's working. They know that I'm sad. But I also had this weird joy and fulfillment of being skinny. Mm -hmm. So it was, it's like this weird place to be. But I just want to say to anybody listening, if the words grief looks good on you ever comes out of your mouth, like stop. Yes. I can't believe somebody ever said that to you, but basically in a way, that's what I was looking for. It's so complicated and it's so, and I'm so sorry to hear about the passing of your mother. And it's so complicated to really dissect our own mental relationship with this because again, while I knew like one part of a small part of my brain was like, I don't know if this is going too well for you, girlfriend. Like, this isn't you. This isn't <laughs> stuff that you care about. Like, why are you doing all this? The main part of my brain was like, ah, control. Like, f- I felt like I was in control. And the comical aspect of the whole thing is that I had zero control over everything. My exercise routine and the food I was eating had all the control over me because it was all I could think about. And I remember there was a point where my mom kind of called me out and was like, she she saw a photo of me and she was like, I will send you somewhere so freaking quick. What is this? And I was like, mom, you're crazy. Like, what are you talking about? You're projecting your own shit onto me. And again, I was just too deep in it to fully notice. And I don't think I was in a place where I needed to be in like a, you know, rehabilitation. Not that there's anything rehab is amazing, but I don't think I was technically struggling with an eating disorder. I think I was on the verge of anything of orthorexia, but I remember her saying that and me being like, what are you even talking about? Uh, And now thinking back, I'm like, yeah, she's my mom. She knew what was up. Like she could read all the signs. I remember at the beginning of of Instagram, I was following all this quote unquote fitspo because that's where my orthorexia had evolved to. And I remember a quote that was just drilled into my mind and it really shows it's a it's such a great symbol of check yourself. And I used it the opposite way. I used it as, wow, this is a great quote. 
which was something along the lines of it takes X weeks for your body to change when you work out, X weeks for you to begin noticing it, and then X more weeks for other people to start noticing it. And I wasn't excited for A or B, and I wasn't doing the work for A or B. I was doing it for C, for that external validation of somebody to notice me, to say, you look good, you look great. And I needed that applaud, obviously, because there were some things in my life that were making me feel unvalidated or invalidated or whatever that way to properly mm-hmm. say that word is. And looking back at that quote, it, I mean, there's so many issues with it for me now, but just really taking a look at, at why you're doing it. And Amy, you made such a great reminder to us to, and I'm sorry, Cam, you too, to to be careful of the compliments that we give and really think critically about how we can give a positive compliment, not one that positively reinforces a negative behavior. But we also need to get really self-aware, like you mentioned, in how compliments that will hit us are received. And maybe not compliments, maybe just comments. How can we hear information about our bodies that are inevitably going to happen and receive them differently and notice how they make us feel itchy or notice how they might, you know, pump that serotonin a little too much, like you said, and call that out and maybe file it in a place of our brain that's either the trash can or a place that's not, you know, front and center becoming our driver. And that's, you know, that's mindfulness. That's taking a big pause and not just letting your brain file things where it, you know, habitually likes to go. So I think this is something I'm constantly now working on and many different fields. And I just want to touch base on the Instagram quote you saw and you just mentioned because you and I talked about this on our episode on my show a year ago of how I went through this period of, you know, my entire life, I've been told how beautiful I was. And this is a weird thing to own up to. And I always feel uncomfortable like sharing this, but I do think it's a large part of my story. And I was always quote unquote, like a hot girl in a group. And for me, I felt like I lost that. And part of my obsession was like to get that back. And it's so wild because I think I lost it even more trying to get it. And it wasn't until I found comfort and confidence in myself again, that I felt beautiful and sexy. And it, I have talked about this at length and nauseum with my younger sister, because it's just an open conversation we have constantly. But I remember when I was in the thick of it, I was like, I just don't feel beautiful. I don't feel that like sexuality that I had felt my college or whatever years. And me leaning back into the mindfulness, the actually eating, the less restrictive, the less working out, the gaining weight, like I've gained that back. And it's such a positive thing for me to have again, personally, and not for any outside validation, but for my personal self of feeling beautiful in my own skin and feeling feminine, honestly. And when it comes to receiving compliments, I've really been trying especially in the past year to pause because I am a very reactive person and that can be combatively reactive or it can be like, oh, we'll just laugh and move on from that. And instead I'm trying to pause and then respond. And this goes for when it comes to body image, this goes for, you know, constantly working on anti-racism, like just hearing things that for so long I've just accepted and like moved on from and just been like, oh, haha, like they're joking. I'm now in a place where I'm like, pause. Okay. 
how am I going to respond? And then speaking my mind of like, I really don't like when you say that because we like, we're allowed to have opinions and we're allowed to say that like, that just made me uncomfortable. But I think as females, we're told not to speak our mind in that way. And we're told to just smile and like nod your head. And it's been a big learning experience for me. And obviously it's a difficult thing to do but I'm really working on it. And, you know, it starts with my grandmother and my mom who will make comments about their bodies or my body. And I'm like, no, that has to stop. And like, you know, I very much have said to my mom, like, if you don't stop critiquing yourself, grandchildren will not be around you. And that really snapped her into it. But again, like we don't have to always put up with the comments. So I think the first thing would be taking a pause and assessing like, is this something I want to address right now? Or maybe is it something I want to address at a later time in private once I mull it over? And then if not, just remembering like that comment does not take ownership over your mind. Like I'm just going to forget that that person said that and move on because that should not adapt how I'm going to move forward when I've worked so hard and one comment cannot have that much weight. I like the boundaries that you set there. I'm and really I think trying. That that's an important <laughs> reminder. Boundaries are so hard. I had therapy last night and that's one of the big things we went over. And it's kudos to anybody right now that is having to set some boundaries and follow through. And I think that that might be something somebody never even considered. Like if you can't change the way you talk, because the way our our moms, our grandmothers, who knows, our dads, like there's, we've talked about the podcast of how Jane Fonda, she just came into my mind for some reason, but she grew up with a dad that was very critical of women's bodies. Like no Fonda woman, like I think to quote one of her cousins from the book said like a Fonda woman is not fat, end of story. And so she grew up thinking like to be loved, I need to be thin. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just moms and grandmothers that speak this way. I mean, there's men that speak this way. There's uh, friends or siblings. And I think that it's important to recognize when that's happening to you and setting boundaries. Yeah, because we want different for the future generations. We want different for our kids and their kids. And it's only going to change if we start setting those boundaries and we get serious about it. Because certain insecurities that we have, like, I don't know if I've said this on Outweigh, Lisa, if it was four things or I, the Bobby, but I don't know where I've said this, <laughs> but I was trying on wedding dresses or bridesmaids dresses not too long ago with a friend. And she looked in the mirror and we were sharing a dressing room and she was just like, oh, I don't know about my arms in this one. And then she caught herself and I was so proud of her. And she just paused and looked at me and she goes, you know what, actually... I honestly don't even know if I like my arms or not. I just grew up hearing my mom complain about her arms all the time to where I am just self-conscious about my arms. I honestly don't even know how I genuinely feel about them. And I thought, oh, you know, I love that you caught yourself and this dress looks amazing on you. You are beautiful and radiant. That's that's our word. Lisa and I love radiant I love for a compliment. But, you know, yeah, good for you, Cameron. Kudos for like the boundaries <laughs> with your mom. I know that's not easy. And I'm not saying like that's really, you, I don't know if you were being playful with her or joking or trying to be like, hey, wake up. We got to stop talking this way. But <laughs> no, it was very serious. Cam's entire family gets airtime on her Instagram. And it's kind of like the Kardashians of real people, if that makes sense, <laughs> you know, because there's there's you have two sisters, right? Or th- yeah, yeah, two. two. So there's a lot of there's a 
lot of like big female energy. And I personally, I come from, I have three brothers and my father and those, you know, had very strong male influences. And I just want to say these conversations, you know, no matter what your family structure are to create boundaries is difficult because a lot of the men in my family, not necessarily have ever been critical, not at all, actually have never been critical of women or my body specifically, but there is a conversation about these types of things that we talk about that make me feel itchy sometimes. And I almost have a harder time addressing them personally with a man than a woman, because like a woman, I feel like I could explain my feelings, get through to relate to where a man, there's kind of this whole other normalized discussion of what health looks like, you know, and it's just uncomfortable no matter what your family structure is. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't lean into having these conversations and creating the boundaries because boundaries are in place so that we can have better relationships with our loved ones. I think that's we forget that. We think they're to keep people out, but they're to keep people in. Totally. And my family notoriously has no boundaries. I grew up, again, like my mom is one of three girls. Of the three girls, there are nine grandchildren and eight are females. So like there's big female energy and we are loud females. And there were no boundaries in my house. And it's something I've been working on as an adult, but also especially I'm pregnant right now, about to like soon to enter my third trimester. And I have had to set more boundaries in the past 25 weeks than I have ever set in my life. And that's not only with my family, but also with social media, with my community on Instagram. And like, you know, we talk about comments about your body. It's like the two times in a female's life that everyone in the world feels they have the opportunity to comment on their body are when they're engaged and everyone asks what your wedding diet is, which was a huge, huge thing that I hated more than anything in the world. I wrote a whole blog post about it. I was going to say, we'll link the blog post below. It's a great one. And the second time is when you're pregnant, you know, whether it's, oh my God, you don't even look pregnant from behind or like, oh, you're only gaining weight in your belly. Or like, you know, I've had some people send me awful DMs of like calling me fat. It's just like everyone has such an opinion on a pregnant woman's body and how you're supposed to look when you're pregnant. And pregnancy in and of itself has been such a learning experience for me when it comes to body image, but even more so setting boundaries because the mom shame, the mom guilt, like it's already hitting me in points and everyone has an opinion and I'm just not here for it. I hear you. And I feel like that could be a whole other discussion on talking about setting those boundaries while pregnant or going through a body body change related to hormones or not. I just want to encourage our listeners to really soak up what you were saying about the journaling after you got hit by a car. Cause the reality is we're likely not going to get hit by a car. I hope no one does. Situation. <laughs> right. Like that's just, we can't sit back and wait for that moment. Right. Please don't. But I was taking in what you were saying. And I think that I personally journal as well, but could be uh, more intentional with it. And I just want people to take in what you were saying and not wait for something drastic or traumatic to happen and really take time to sit down and reflect about what is important and how are you choosing to live your days and what are you choosing to focus on? And you'll see real quick, my mom used to call me out all the time about my priorities. She was like, look at your schedule. It's real clear. I mean, and I would miss everything for a workout to make sure that I could cook my own food to be set. Like I would miss out on so much. So therefore, boom, my priorities were right in front of me. So take note of that. 
And I just appreciate so much of your insight and wisdom. I feel like we covered a lot of little nuggets here today. So I'm excited to check out your podcast. And I just, because it's, you know, not a visual thing here, I want to shout out your sweatshirt because it says ice cream is my love language. (laughs) And I love that. Thank you. It's my freckled foodie merch that we just (laughs) did. I did a limited drop of sweatshirts and ice cream is my favorite food. And I absolutely love it. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me on. This was such a pleasure. And I also think for anyone who's interested in journaling and is overwhelmed by it for like a tangible takeaway, what helps me is every morning I do three pieces of gratitude. So three things I'm grateful for, three affirmations. Those could be, I love my belly or like I am amazing. And then three manifestations. And it's really me thanking the universe for things that I'm hoping happen, but I'm saying them as if they have already happened. And I just want to point out one thing that was kind of subtle, but I it's what I heard when you were talking about journaling and perhaps it's the motivation to, first of all, Amy has a great gratitude journal that helps you oh, do a lot of what you just said. So that's a great starting place. But it sounded to me that when you started journaling was the time that you were able to recognize that your voice before that was critical. Totally. Okay. So that's kind of what I want people to hear because you might not recognize that the voice in your mind right now that is consumed by fear or competition or habit, however, whoever you are, is feeding you bad information for lack of a better word. But when you do shift into gratitude and love and what you want for your future, it's like you enter a new dimension and it feels different in your body. And then suddenly you notice what it feels like when that old voice comes back and it's always coming back, like you said, but you can notice it more easily when you spend time intentionally finding and cultivating gratitude. Absolutely. It's no longer the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, etc. thoughts are critical. It's maybe the first every once in a while. And then the second, third, fourth turn into a positive gratitude because you're catching it. Love that. Freckledfoodie.com. I just wanted to shout that out in case. Oh, yes. I don't know. I know you said your sweatshirt was limited edition. I don't know how many are still left. We, did, I feel like... we sold out and I feel so badly because everyone okay. keep, keeps DMing me. Well, let's so, make some more. I, I want to. Eventually, there will be another drop. Freckledfoodie.com for other merch that may drop because I can tell you got probably some super cute stuff. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. 
You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 